Hey everybody, it's Nick. Uh, I just wanted to say that the next movie that we will watch uh, will be Rogue 2007. Uh, it's a movie about crocodiles and it's uh, scary. Enjoy the episode eight. Uh... The only horror movie podcast with Nick and Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're back yeah we're back episode eight i believe so yeah 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 man pretty exciting you know like uh i guess uh hey guys welcome back to the only horror movie podcast yeah i'm nick and i'm joe <laughs> is this is this good is everything good? <laughs> uh i you know the, it would be great to one day have uh, a studio yeah where we don't have to ever set up anything ever again that would be nice, you know? Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I'd like that a lot. There are podcast studios we could rent, you know, but that's a whole other thing. Also, we just wanted to mention that, um, again, please subscribe, guys. Yes. It helps so much. We have 26 six subscribers right now. That's yeah, pretty yeah. good. Yeah, it's not bad. The number is going up. Yeah, but, the last you know. episode, 143, 144 downloads. I mean, that's our best one yet. Yeah, yeah. We're like, uh, it's, you know, we've been steadily growing, which has been pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Anything you guys can do, uh, subscribing, reviewing, telling your friends, you know, word Rating of mouth. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. All of it. If you do any of that stuff, it means the world to us. It really does mean a lot. And um, yeah, you can, uh, you know, follow our uh, Instagram account, too, if you're on there. The Only More Horror Movie Podcast should be pretty easy to find. Yeah. Email us, onlyhorrormoviepod at gmail.com. Yep. And, uh, you know, if there's 143 people listening to an episode, that means there's several more of you that could do all these things yeah we've got a i set up a discord server i haven't really learned how to use discord yet i'm kind of behind on that but if you would like to join the discord and get that going yeah um email us message us and we can send you the invite to it and you know you get in early you could be like uh you know one of the people running that thing because yeah we don't know how oh yeah you're gonna want to be one of those original folks in that discord yeah i think so because everybody will look up to you yeah right you know it comes with it's a lot of it'd be pretty prestigious a lot of respect you know like you know your your dad will probably finally be proud of you yeah also uh you know quick shout out to our international listeners we got a pretty good following here in the states but also popular in india wow australia ireland yeah Uh, yeah the uk yeah spain we've been getting downloads from so oh wow pretty cool but that's very exciting india especially though you know like 20 percent of our listeners are coming from india so uh that's great i want to say thank you guys yeah thanks india uh, yeah i really appreciate that a whole lot yeah if you if you guys want to shoot us an email uh, you know you should shoot us an email tell us how you heard of it tell us what you think of it we'd love to hear from you just say hey we really would yeah okay yeah how are you i'm good man good yeah Yeah. nice (laughs) yeah yeah you know busy weekend we're uh we're squeezing this in guess at the last pizza moon last night yeah we did the last pizza moon uh, uh, think, thanks for coming. Yeah, yeah. That was a pretty uh, pretty good show, you know? Yeah, it was all right. It was not bad. A successful run of shows at the Yard Theater. I think we did pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a, a short run. Yeah, about eight shows, but we did it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> How are you feeling? <laughs> uh, I'm feeling good, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was supposed good. to wake up early and go work out this morning, but... Uh, yeah. Hung out too late at Tom's last night. I was so tired this morning that I woke up. I was like stumbling. No shit. Like I went out to my car because I was like, I'm going to go get some oat milk and some some Cheerios for breakfast, you know, yeah. at, at Trader Joe's. 
And uh, I walked out to my car and I was like, I was like falling over. It was kind of crazy. I don't think I've ever been. I don't oh, even, damn. It's really weird. Yeah. It's a weird moment. It's very tired. I like, felt drunk, but I wasn't drunk. Oh. And I was stumbling. So. God damn. I think I need to get more sleep. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like general. it, man. <laughs> like, you know. Uh, yeah. You know. Because the night before, I, I also didn't get that much sleep. I think I got like five or six hours. Oh, yeah, man. You got to, you know, you got to try to get at least like six to eight. You know, that's. uh. I got to play some catch up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> sorry <laughs> hey it's it's fine you know like hey you know it's uh, uh you know it's your dedication to the podcast that yeah it's causing you to lose yeah. sleep you know i was like i was up to like you know 2 a.m the other night like taking notes and, and stuff on these yeah. movies and stuff too to prepare for this so yeah 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 it's good i mean it's it's good it's just i sometimes i i'm just like I think it's like, yeah, I'm being responsible with the podcast and working hard with the podcast, but I'm, I'm also being irresponsible by staying up until two or three a.m. It's not ideal if you can't sleep late. Yeah. You yeah. Know, you probably should. Uh, yeah. I've been dating. So I've been like seeing different people mm-hmm. and uh, we hang out until late. That's part of it, you know? Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, one of the benefits of a long term relationship, you know, my fiance and I like we sometimes go out late or hang out late. But generally, like if we're home, we're like just Nikki passes out by like 10, 30, 11 a lot of times. Yeah. You yeah. I used to be me. Later. Yeah. yeah. That was me when I was in a relationship. It was like 11, 1130. Yeah. It's out. like, uh, yeah. Way more. You way your life becomes way more consistent. Yeah. It's way better on the body and mind. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, dating that's fun too you know it's fun opens up a, a nice world of possibilities yeah but, i know. i am a romantic that's what i learned i mean I, i've known that for a while but i i i'm a romantic person oh yeah i know i've known that about you for a long time yeah a long time yeah yeah because yeah. i will date around and i but but uh and also tom feeney gives me shit for dating around i don't know why really yeah i don't why? know why like i'll like go i'll like be like I'll, I'll go on a date and then he'll be like oh nice you got a date i'm like yeah yeah and then he'll be like, um, a couple days later, I'll be like, oh, I'm going on a date. And he'll be like, oh, same girl. And I'm like, no, a different girl. Mm-hmm. And he's like, geez, all right. And I'm like, uh, uh, well, uh, uh yeah, like, what's you're, going on? You're allowed to do that, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, you don't this, always like uh, have to lock into something immediately right. after one date. Like, sometimes you kind of like gotta. Yeah, I went on like, I've been going on like a lot of dates. So yeah. like it, he's, he's seen me recently go through like four or five dates or something, but he's yeah. always like, geez, man, what's going on? Are you okay? I'm uh-huh. like, what do you mean? Am I, of course I'm, this means I'm okay. Yeah. Uh, what know. was bad was when I wasn't, you know, dating and I was, you know, I was sad and alone. Yeah. Yeah. That's worse. That's <laughs> it's much that's worse. Definitely worse. You know, you and, uh, you know, Ryan O'Toole, he's, uh, yeah. he's been seeing uh, a lot of different ladies and it seems yeah. to be okay for him. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. You know, I the, think it's a positive thing. Yeah. And he's not like hiding it from them or anything. He's like, yeah, no. you know, uh, if it would be one thing, if you were like, oh, I have this girlfriend and then you have another girlfriend that doesn't know about that girlfriend and then you have another yeah. couple of girls, that would be bad. Yeah. But, but it's if you're dating. Not, it's casual yeah, it's dating. dating. That's like, uh. I know he's like looking out for me. You know, he always is. But I'm like, dude, this isn't when you need to look out for me. Yeah. You know, look out for me when I start talking about like how I want to do drugs or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't know if it'll be an issue, by the way, but yeah. uh, your uh, hand is right in front of that camera. Oh, on this camera? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, right. well, yeah. I mean, mostly it's when I'm talking, you know. But, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it'll mostly less. be show. It'll mostly be you in that right. clip. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 Just, uh, 
Uh, by the way, happy birthday, Tom. This episode will be yeah. coming out the day before his 30th birthday. Yeah, that's Our very exciting. Tom Feeney. That's a huge birthday. Yeah. And happy birthday, bud. Sometimes yeah. he does listen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Tom's a great guy. But, yeah, we um, love Tom, one of our comedian friends from back in the day in Orlando. Yeah, one of our best buds, but leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quit giving Nick shit. Let him, let him live his life. I'm you trying know? to find love, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, some women that I meet, you know, they're, I mean, this, this last girl I went on a date with, I was like, I really like her. She's yeah. like actually really great. Yeah, know? it could and, turn, yeah, it could become a bigger thing. Yeah, and that's what I do. I want that in the end, you know. Yeah, of course. Uh, but yeah, you know, so. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you know, you can't end up in a long-term relationship with every person you date. It's just not going to work out, you know. No. Like some people are nice and great, but it's just not meant. Yeah, you know, you guys just don't vibe in that way. Well, some people you meet and you're like, oh, this person's really cool. They're mm-hmm. like a, a genuinely good person. We have great chemistry. Uh, maybe the sex is great, but there's just there has to be that extra thing. Yeah, you that to, little spark. Yeah, there has to be that thing where you just want to spend all your time with them yeah you know? like yeah yeah so we're getting there yeah man you know I, th- I think it's good i think it's a healthy thing you know thanks man yeah i feel like everybody else does too <laughs> yeah yeah just tom, just tom having that issue <laughs> but you got your wedding coming up a couple yeah. months very exciting yeah getting married in november pretty Joshua for that. Tree. Yeah, yeah it's huge it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a sweet wedding man i'm like excited new school it's got like this other uh like side little suite that has a bunch of uh like guitars and instruments and vintage amps and stuff and a, like a full drum kit and everything so are people jamming out i think that i want to make that part of it yeah because we've oh, got sick. the place for like three days and oh, so that's it's, like a, it's like a house yeah and yeah probably a quarter of the attendees are all you know musicians yeah, some yeah. who play in bands or just who play you know on their own so yeah 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 should be a good time that's awesome. Yeah, we're going to see a bunch of friends. That yeah, we got a bunch seen. of friends coming in from Florida. And yeah. Some family, too. And, you know, a bunch of our LA friends will be out there. So, it's yeah, it's going to be a great party. Yeah, it's going to be badass. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah, man. Do you want to talk about this movie? Yeah, should we get into it? By the way, we should mention uh, the movie for this episode is going to be Fright Night from 1985. That's right. It's a fun yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. It. Yeah, it's like a classic, uh, you know, it's a classic vampire movie. Yeah, it's like uh, it's a classic vampire movie, kind of a throwback in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, your old school, your Draculas, your Hammer, like uh, horror films. Yeah. And there's a, a lot of references to those movies and stuff in it. Yeah. Uh, it's also a really classic, like 80s kind of like teen movie a little bit, like sort of a, you know, yeah. coming of age. Totally. Uh, movie from that period. Yeah, it's all about this kid. Really, I mean, it's just about a kid who wants to get laid. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. He just wants to have sex with his girlfriend. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, and then there's this whole... I mean, the really, it really and is... It, these vampires keep interrupting. These vampires keep interrupting. But in the end, I mean, you know, we'll go through the plot. But I mean, in the end, it really is just... He just wanted to get laid. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, also... And you love it. We love to see that. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, timeless story. You know, timeless going story. back, you know, to... 17-year-old boy. Yeah, you know, Shakespeare wrote about it, you know. Absolutely. Uh, they've been making movies about that topic pretty much, I think, all of human history, you know. I think so. Since we started making movies, before that, we were writing books and plays about it. You're goddamn right we were. Pretty relatable for a guy in your position, Dayton, seeing That's a lot right. of people. <laughs> I know, I'm watching this guy, I'm like, hey man, I'm with you. Although, you know, I guess, uh, I hopefully by now, you're not still trying to lose your virginity, you know, that, that seems no. to be. <laughs> no, no, no. 
high school was an interesting time. It was better uh, than uh, middle school. I will say that. My, my high school and middle school experiences were, were very different. I hated middle school, but I did get late in middle school. That was my oh, first really? time. Yeah. Oh, man, that's early. I didn't really, really young. Not till high school for me. Yeah. Uh, I probably could have in middle school. I was at a, a performing arts middle school. Of course you could have. Doing uh, theater. And uh, by the time I was in eighth grade, there was uh, it was me and one other boy in the class and like 32 girls. That's incredible. Yeah. That's a dream for a young boy. It was, you know, it was a dream, but it was also a lot, a yeah, lot yeah, yeah. of, uh, you know, a Sensory lot of teenage overload. hormones like coming yeah. at you and manifesting themselves in very strange ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A middle school is a weird time for stuff like that. That's I just remember like uh, on the bus ride home, this like uh, a surfer kid was just like uh, squeezing this girl's boobs for the entire bus ride on a regular basis. Just yeah. like everyone would kind of just like look over and be like, what the, what is happening? <laughs> and there was you know, no words. No, 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 no. kissing. No, it yeah. was just a, a, a squeezing with that yeah. total silence and everybody. Yeah, and it was like a thirty-minute bus ride. So yeah, it was yeah. like you know, <laughs> it was a, a lot of. <laughs> Let's talk about the movie though. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So Fright Night was uh, came out in nineteen eighty-five. Was directed by, written and directed by Tom Holland. Not that, not that Tom Holland, different yeah. one. And it stars Chris Sarandon, William Ragsdale, Amanda Bears, Stephen Jeffries, and Roddy McDowell. Nice. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I only recognized uh, the guy who played Jerry. Oh, yeah. Chris yeah. Sarandon. Chris Sarandon. Good looking guy. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, the cast, they all kind of went different directions. You know, he stayed in a pretty consistent actor. Yeah. You know, Roddy McDowell was in like 270 movies. But, you know, this was like. Holy goddamn. Toward the last decade or so of his career. Right. And then uh, Amanda Barris was in Married with Children and oh, then became a director. Uh, Stephen Jeffries ended up doing gay porn. Really? Uh, yeah. Which one is that? He is Evil Ed. He, Evil Ed did yeah. gay porn? Yeah. That's incredible. They actually reunited the cast pretty recently for a, a fundraiser for like, the, I think it was like the Michigan or Minnesota Democratic Party. I had all the, the remaining cast members and, uh, okay. and then Rosario Dawson did all like the uh, minor characters. But yeah, Stephen Jeffries came back for that. and <laughs> That's incredible. I, I feel like you don't, I don't know. I don't mean, know many stories about actual actors going to porn. Yeah, you know. I mean, I'm sure it happens. Yeah, I think it does, you know. Yeah. Like maybe the, you know, acting work slows down a little bit or they just find they have, you know, a different calling. Totally. Well, but, I'm excited for him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Keep keep getting it. Uh, so let's <laughs> see. Uh, before we get into the movie itself, uh, just a little background on Tom Holland. He's an American direct actor, director, and screenwriter. Best known for his work in the horror genre. He's known for writing Class of 1984 and Psycho 2, as well as co-writing and directing Fright Night, Child's Play, uh, and then the Stephen King adaptations, Thinner and the Langoliers. It's a pretty good career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's still going. He's still active. I think he wrote children's book not too long ago. A children's book? Yeah, and he That's still cool. like uh, directs TV and movies and stuff. And yeah, you know, I'll, one more thing I'll say about this girl I went on a date with last night. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> children's book editor. Oh, really? Isn't that sweet? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have some more notes here, but we can uh, probably get into them. Yeah, you want to get go. into it? Yeah, yeah. Let's All go right. through it. I'm always, I will say, I'm always insecure about the notes because I'm yeah. always, I'm always worried that I took too many. Or that I like. I don't know, man. I I listen back to the episodes. For me, it's one of the most fun parts. Okay. Like, I, it's just like a different way of uh, of doing these kind of movie pods. Well, of also just like uh, you know listening to a movie, just hearing the story told. Okay. Is uh, I think fun. I think people like it. You yeah, know? I think like, so too. Yeah. All right. And they like a lot of people have told me it makes them want to watch the movie after. So, oh, good. Like, okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So 
We open on a full moon. We're in a residential neighborhood, right? And the camera pans across a couple of nice homes and slowly begins making its way toward a bedroom window on a second story. We hear a howling, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We hear two voices, a man and a woman. The man says, what was that? The woman says, just a child, a child of the night. Which is weird. That's not a good answer. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like the word is a howling and she's saying it's just a child. It's child, very disconcerting. A child of the night. A child yeah. of the night. Yeah. Well, you know, the children of the night. That's like pretty common like thing in uh, vampire uh, fiction. It? Yeah. Yeah. God you damn. know, they refer to like, you know, the wolves and the bats and the creatures. So, so they call them a child of the night. That's just like a. Yeah. Okay. Children of the night. So yeah. not an like actual human child. No, no. Okay. I think they're talking. Yeah. You know, like, okay. Yeah. They're usually refer. It's like, I feel like it's in like the Dracula movies maybe. And like a lot of the hammer, like sixties and seventies. Got like, it. Okay. Yeah. So the woman says, come here and sit with me uh, on the veranda. Uh, and, and the guy says, uh, you've never looked so beautiful before Nina. So pale, so luminous, luminescent. Your lips are so red. She says, are they, would you like to kiss them? And then they start kissing and there's like these kissing noises that are very like the no, like the, no one makes these kissing. It's like yeah, you, know, you would do like, with a child, right? It's like, like a slurp. Yeah. 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 It's like not real oh, at all. Yeah. So it's a little confusing about what's happening right now. You're like, is this movie this silly? And so then we pan up into the window and we realize that it's a TV show. Right. And we're in a room that's like clearly like a young man's bedroom. Mm-hmm. And the woman on the TV bites the neck of the man. And you see quickly, oh, this is a vampire movie or a vampire show. And um, then this guy, Peter Vincent, enters and he's a vampire killer and he kills this woman on TV. And and then we hear some real smooching sounds. Right. Yeah. Then we pan down to the floor and we see that there is a, a man and a woman and they're making out. They're fooling around, touching. And this is Charlie Brewster. Yep. And his girlfriend, Amy. And uh, the film ends and Peter Vince, Vincent is the host of this program and he comes on and Amy's like, Charlie, Peter Vincent is on. And he's like, uh, forget Peter Vincent. And they continue smooching aggressively. And she's like, but you love him. And he's like, but I love you more. Right. And then the television says, yeah, right. Yeah. Smooth guy. I like this fellow so far. And so then the television says Fright Night on it. But then Amy starts to get kind of uncomfortable. You know, she's like, he's being a little too aggressive. She's not really into that. So then she she says, Charlie, stop. And she pulls back and then he angrily stands up and he's like, we've been going together for a whole year. And all you ever say is, Charlie, stop, stop, stop. (laughs) Uh, which means he should stop, you know? Yeah. And, like, and he does. And he does. He does. He, he does. But it's also like, well, man, maybe, maybe it's just a clear sign. Like she wants to take a slide. It's been yeah. a year, which it is a long time. You know, I'll give him that. Uh, yeah. But you know, it's like, uh, everybody has to move at their own they pace with move these kind their, of things. They got to move at their own pace. It was always flipped for me. You know, it was like, <laughs> always women moving too fast. So when I was, oh, a, yeah? I was a kid, oh yeah. I was women watching. Couldn't you. handle it. You know? <laughs> Uh, a few of them did. Not, yeah, yeah, you know, no, I wasn't get it. exactly like uh, swimming in it or yeah, you know, yeah, them off or yeah, you know. Right. <laughs> so then you know, he, uh, Charlie feels bad. You know, and he's like, "Look, you know, I was being aggressive. I'm sorry." You know, and, and she says, "I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry too. I, I was just scared. That's all." And then they start to make out again, and uh, Amy looks at him and she says, "Let's get into bed." You know, yeah. So maybe she's like, you know, maybe I do want to do this, mm-hmm. and so it's about to happen. Charlie's going to get late. But then he sees out of his window in his yard that there are two men and they're carrying a coffin. In the background, Amy starts to take her clothes off. And then Charlie brings up like these absurdly sized binoculars to look out the window. Right. 
uh, which he does not need because look out, yeah, because they're just in the they're next just, door. They're, they're right, right there. there. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, it was almost like a, it was like a slapstick moment there. Yeah, you know, there's a, it's like a low key comedy, I think, you know. Yeah, but also like I don't know, like, yeah. I don't know if it's really comedy. I mean, Tom Holland said he was like he was quoting, like, I was like literally rolling on the floor, like kicking and laughing while I was writing the script. Oh, which, that's that's fun. Yeah. So Amy is sitting on the bed. She's like nervous, but she she's really not sure she wants to do this. She's like Charlie, I'm I'm ready. And uh, Charlie's like, you're not going to believe this. And he, he tells her, there's guys outside with a coffin. And then she says, sure, they're on the moors, right? Which is, there's that word again, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Do we know? The moors. It's like, uh, I don't know, swampy wooded area. Yeah. It's like the woods kind of. But So then uh, eventually Amy gets fed up, right? And she just leaves the bedroom and heads downstairs. And now he's like, God damn it. He messed up. He's like, wait, wait, wait. He goes downstairs. And uh, we see Charlie's mom and she's watching TV and she's like, oh, you guys having a lover's spat? And he's like, no, mom, no, no. So like right before that scene, doesn't she like come down the stairs yelling at him something about like, you know, you don't want to make love to me or whatever, like with his oh. mom sitting right oh, there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was a weird moment. <laughs> yeah. And the mom is just the mom is a, uh, clearly a single mom. We, we, we it's, it's made clear pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, she's like, there's nothing wrong with it. The divorce rate is 76 percent higher than uh, uh, than for couples that don't argue before marriage. Yeah. So, so then the mom starts talking to Amy and as that's happening Charlie's looking out the window and he's looking for these guys you know with the coffin and um, Amy's just like she's out of there she's like I'm gonna leave and uh, Charlie's mom tells Charlie about the neighbors who just moved in and she's like one of them is very attractive you know they they guess they just uh, moved in and they plan to fix up the house and now we pan to the TV and the newscaster says that a body was found in the railroad yard now we cut uh, and Charlie is at school with a friend. You know, mm-hmm. he's coming out of a class. He's holding a piece of paper. He looks at it. He's like, he failed this pop quiz. And he says to this, his friend who's Ed or Evil Ed, he's like, I, I mean, I, a pop quiz. I mean, I wasn't prepared, prepared for that. How's, how am I supposed to be prepared? And Evil Ed's like, well, it's a pop quiz, man. You know, and then he starts laughing like he's this guy. The whole point. The whole point. And so Evil Ed is like, uh, he's very much like kind of like an incel type, what we would call somebody. He's very like... Uh, He's, he kind of has this creepy vibe about him, almost like a school shootery vibe. You know, did you get that? A little bit. I always thought it just more of like a, a, a weird, like nerdy kid. I feel like I got bullied a lot. You know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, like uh, queer subtext to this movie, which I'll get into uh, more extensively later. OK, but I think they're kind of implying that like uh, Ed might be like a closeted, like young gay man. Okay, interesting. You know, it's an interesting. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, and, I'll take uh, it. He also hates the nickname Evil. Yes, he, he does. Yeah, like when they call him Evil Ed. Yeah, Charlie calls him Evil for short, and he's like, "Don't call me Evil." Mm-hmm. Um, he talks real awkwardly too. You know, yeah, he's like, ah. yeah, he's got like a squeaky high voice, and like he's just the way he phrases stuff is very like. Uh, you know, like, I don't know. He reminds me of like some nerdy kids in my height. There's a kid in my high school AP English class. Yeah. Who is like, he, he, I think he fancied himself like the class clown, but the only person he could make laugh was the teacher. Okay. And he was like constantly doing, uh, he's doing like the hello, Clarice, like yeah. Anthony Hopkins, like Hannibal yeah. Lecter impressions right. and stuff. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, references that are a little too old for yeah. most of the kids. You know, our teacher, yeah, who was like yeah. in her 50s or 60s would always laugh and then everyone else just rolled their eyes. Yeah. And it was yeah. always like, it was all a little bad for him, you know? Then uh, as he's talking with Evil Ed, Amy passes through them, just ignoring Charlie. And Charlie's like, God damn it. Right. Uh, so cut to Charlie and he's driving this old car. Do you know what this car is, Joe? It's an old Mustang. It's an old Mustang. With like 
a bunch of like the paint stripped off and like primer showing through. Yeah, a bunch of primer showing through. It just kind of looks like a shitty nice car otherwise. Uh, so then Charlie parks his car at his house and he uh, gets out and he sees this sexy blonde woman with this like sleek blue dress get out of a, mm-hmm. a taxi. And she says to Charlie, she's like, is this 99 Oak? And he's just like so taken aback by this because he's this 40, 17 year old. Yeah. He's just know? like staring at her. He's like just staring. Mouth open. <laughs> like, yeah. He just doesn't say it. He's just like he he would like to have sex with his girlfriend. It's not working out. And so he's just like, I can't. This is like my dream. Charlie goes back into his house and he's like, I got to study for trigonometry. Right. His mom mentions the neighbor again. She's like, with my luck, he's probably gay. You know, mm-hmm. she's she would like to be with this man. But she's like, ah, I'm just my luck sucks. I'm just a single mother. Yeah. Charlie is uh, studying for trig when he hears a woman scream and he looks over at the across the to the window from the other house and he sees a light on but then it turns off right away so cut to charlie with uh, amy at a diner and he's trying to mend things uh, but amy says it was my fault not yours you know and and you kind of it's just like you know you kind of feel bad for her yeah but charlie notices the tv again like in the the diner and as amy's talking to him he just starts ignoring her again and that frustrates her you know and mm-hmm. so he's looking at this uh this story and he sees the face of the woman that he saw the day before and then she was murdered yeah right and amy's just like what the fuck like you're not paying attention to me evil walks up and he's like two murders in one night and he's like and they both had their heads chopped off and he starts laughing maniacally you know yeah a little creepy a little creepy right? and then uh amy goes and she grabs a burger from this guy in the cafeteria and then smashes it into charlie's face yep uh but i will say this about the burger <laughs> the burger is like a it's all mushy it's like a sloppy joe it's maybe. like a sloppy joe but it's got lettuce and tomato on it which yeah Sounds awful. Yeah, right? It didn't look appetizing. <laughs> well, it's like I, I noticed like one thing my brother Sean pointed out to me one time in like old 80s movies was he was like, anytime someone throws a ch- like a chocolate shake in someone's face, he's like, mm-hmm. it's always like milk. And he was like, when is, when, I don't know why he was so frustrated yeah. about it, but he's like, when is it going to be like a, like a, a thick, you know, like it wouldn't toss out like that. I remember that was like one of his issues. Yeah. It was like a Wendy's Frosty that just stays <laughs> in the, <laughs> like, just someone just tries to dump it and squeeze it out on their head. Yeah. That's in the the classic line. Like uh, he gets smashed in the face, and uh, Evil goes like, "Oh, you're so cool, Brewster." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that. Later that day, Charlie notices a man in the basement uh, of that house. He sees this guy, and he's painting his the windows of the basement black. And uh, the guy in the, uh, who's painting the windows, he clocks Charlie. And then Charlie notices that there's like the cellar door uh, out in front of that house, and he goes to scope it out and tries to open it. And right as he does, this man pops his head out the door, and he's like, "Hey, kid, what are you doing?" And this is Mr. Cole. Yeah. Being real creepy. Being real creepy. In a way where it's like, hey, man, a murder definitely happened in your house last night. Try to be a little more chill. You know? Yeah, no, he has no chill. No He's chill like at very, all. Uh, very like uh, trying to be intimidating right off the bat. Yeah. A, a woman's scream came right from your house. Uh, so Charlie's like, I'm not doing anything. And Mr. Cole's like, yeah, we'll make sure it stays that way, kid. And then uh, we cut to a little later that night. Charlie's watching a horror movie and aggressively, like aggressively eating snacks, just downing snacks. And he's looking out the window with those big ass binoculars. He's just waiting for that light to come on and something to happen. We cut to a little later and he's uh, apparently looked at some Playboy, uh, had himself a time. And then he wakes up and sees in the window one of the other men from the from the coffin, carrying the coffin. 
and he sees him with a woman and this like electric 80s guitar starts like s- screaming you're like meow, bow, bow, bow. and yeah, then uh, real, like uh or like uh you know like oh these people are about to fuck oh for sure from the 80s yeah yeah it's like an 80s porn uh, yeah. uh, guitar and then this man starts taking off this woman's clothes we see this woman's bare breast he starts caressing her neck and then we see that he has these sharp teeth as he goes to lay the teeth into this woman's neck he looks up and catches a glance of charlie staring at him mm-hmm. and the man slowly draws the curtains close and as he does we see that he has he has these big long pointy fingers clearly this guy's the vampire yeah so charlie runs into his mom's room and he wakes her up and he's like the guy next door he has fangs and then he runs outside and uh he sees mr cole carrying a bag a trash bag and we we think like oh this looks this looks like a body bag right and he's thrown into the back of this car and then as charlie's hiding in the bushes we see this pov of somebody who's on the roof Right. And then we hear this launching sound and then like a flapping. Right. Mm-hmm. And we kind of this is kind of one of these things where you're like, OK, so this is like uh, that's the vampire. He's turned into a bat. And then this man lands next to Mr. Cole. He's eating an apple. This is Jerry Dandridge. He converses with Mr. Cole for a second. And then yeah. Charlie's mom comes out and starts screaming for Charlie. He's like, where are you, Charlie? Where are you? And this gets the attention of uh, the men. Yeah. And Jerry uh, spots Charlie in the bush, throws an apple towards Charlie. It rolls his way. And then Charlie uh, jumps up scared because he knows that he sees him and he runs back into the house with his mom. I feel like I can remember having moments like that as a kid where you're like fucking around in the neighbor's yard or something and they yeah. see you and all you could do is just run. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, dude. Yeah. Like, that happened oh, to me many you know, times. Hopefully they won't know it's me. They know who exactly who it is. I had, I used to run around my neighborhood with my friends, but we used to um, like go around to what we like thought were like abandoned houses and like mm-hmm. do all these different things like fuck around, throw rocks at windows and stuff. And one time we went to this house that was like being renovated. And so we like snuck in and we had like a camera because we were like going to film like us like exploring this place. And then there was this woman in the house and she was like, what the hell are you doing? And we just took off running and then she called the police and we had like delete all the footage and stuff. Oh God. She was insane. But also like we were little children breaking it around. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had, uh, I had definitely had some moments like that, you know, there was a time where I was on my friend's roof and we were throwing water balloons off the roof at people. (laughs) There was a guy like across the street washing his car. We like, hit yeah. him with a water balloon. He was like this big like steroided dude. And he yeah. came and like started throwing shit from our friend's yard like up at us on the roof like patio furniture. Oh my just, god! Like, freaking out, you know. If we had been <laughs> off the roof, he might have kicked our ass. Yeah, like, totally. Yeah, yeah. Some of those people don't give a fuck. They're no. like, I will hit a kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we cut back inside a little later and Charlie's trying to explain to his mom. He's like, they definitely killed a woman. You know, they definitely did it. And she's like, are you sick? And he's like, I'm not sick. A woman was murdered. And he, he's like, he's a vampire. And then she's like, what? And then we do a match cut to Amy. And now he's at Amy's house. And Amy says, what? And he's trying to explain the same thing to Amy. And Amy is just like, she says something weird here, by the way. She goes, uh, is this your plan to try and get me back? Yeah. Which I'm like, that's the weird plan. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Be like, uh, a woman was murdered. Uh, do you love me? You know? I wouldn't put it past high school students to think this way, though. Sure. You know? <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Charlie is like, he, he can't convince Amy. So he's like, I'm going to the police. Right. And he brings this detective to Jerry's house. Mr. Cole lets him in. And, and, and you know, Mr. Cole's playing it very cool. Eventually, like they, they have this conversation. There's like a little bit, you know, there's a bit of a long scene here, but to shorten it, it makes Charlie kind of just look like an idiot, right? Because yeah. Mr. Cole like has an excuse for everything. Charlie's like, well, tell, what about the, the body bag? And Mr. Cole was like, oh, that was just trash. You know, we can go ch- look at the trash if you want. Yeah. And eventually the detective is just like laughing at him with Mr. Cole. But Charlie keeps trying to push it and push it. And then the detective just gets fed up and he drags Charlie out. And he's like, we're getting out of here. 
they go outside and Charlie's like, I swear this guy's a vampire. And the detective's like, yeah, and I'm dirty Harry. But then he says this. He goes, let me tell you something, kid. If I ever catch your ass down at the station again, I'm going to throw it in jail forever. <laughs> and it's like, uh, well, you couldn't do that, you know? No, no, but you know. It's an empty threat, but I get it. High school kids might not know that, though. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like you have a lot more empathy for these high school kids than I do. I don't know. You know, I try to I try to relate. Yeah, yeah, no, know? totally. You're right. Especially in the 80s. They were more naive, you know? Yeah, fucking idiots. So Charlie goes to uh, Evil Ed's house, right? And he tells him that he needs help. And uh, Evil Ed's like, what do I owe this dubious pleasure? You know? Uh, he doesn't sound like Adam Sandler. Uh, that is kind of how he sounds, though, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, you know? yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But I say, like, that's how he talks. He talks real weird. Yeah, like, he does, yeah. So Ed, he, he, he gives um, Charlie some tips in exchange for, like, eight bucks. And uh, Ed tells him, like, put garlic around your neck, you know, nail your window shut, get some holy water. And he's like, and also the vampire can't come in unless he's invited. Yeah. And he gives him a crucifix as well. Mm-hmm. We cut to later that night. Charlie is uh, preparing his room. Uh, he's, like, nailing the window shut. And then his mom calls him down to the living room and he runs downstairs and his mom introduces him to the neighbor jerry dandridge he's been invited in not good folks nope nope not good oh the worst thing that could have happened the worst (laughs) who would have thought so then we hear some very 80s music with some kind of like funky slapping bass coming and he's like uh what's wrong charlie afraid i never come over without being invited in first charlie stumbles away terrified he runs back up into his room then we cut to later uh, Charlie's passed out of his room again. And I was like, at this point, I'm like, you really got to stop passing out. Like, you got to stay awake for this shit. Yeah. Then he hears something on the roof. So he exits his room and he's got his crucifix in his hand. He's in the hallway. He's like looking for this. Bu- he goes downstairs and he realizes that maybe the sound he heard was just this bush brushing against the window. And we cut to his mom's room and Jerry is in his mother's room. And he's just kind of like looming over her. Yeah. Just watching her sleep. Real watching creepy. her sleep. And it's, 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 it's a tense moment. Cause you're like, what's going to happen? What's he going to do to the mama? So then he leaves, he walks out her door and he closes the door so tightly that it breaks the frame of the door. And Charlie comes back upstairs and he comes into his room and he goes to the window and he like brings up his binoculars, I think. And then he's like looking out the window and he sees that the light is on at the window across the way. And, uh, but then behind Charlie, we see his closet doors open. There's like this cool shot where Jerry is so out of focus that it almost looks like it could be Amy. You know, mm-hmm. it's like this weird figure, like he, he, he walks slowly in and he just becomes more and more in focus. And it's clearly Jerry. And he grabs Charlie by the neck and he said, I didn't want to wake your mother. And he throws Jerry into the closet and he just starts throwing him all over the room. Right. And he holds him out the window. Then Charlie grabs his crucifix and holds it towards Jerry, but it doesn't do anything. He just slaps it out of his hand. And Charlie tries to hold on to something so as not to fall out of the window, you know. And so he grabs at one point, he grabs on Amy's picture and Amy's picture flies out of the window and then lands right on a fence post. Yeah, and like impales her the face through the photo. Yes, impales her through the face. And you're like, God damn, if I know movies, that's some foreshadowing right there. Yeah, right. It's some symbolism. Finally, he grabs a pencil and he stabs her through Jerry's hand and Jerry screams, you know, and Jerry, uh, his face turns into this like super vampire, like yellow eyes, just a very scary figure, really cool yeah, makeup. Real monstrous. And then Charlie's mom is screaming from her door. She's struggling to get their door open, but she, she can't get it. And uh, finally she gets it open and Jerry takes off. And then he, he tells his mom, like, she's like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I was just having a nightmare. And she's like, oh, I had one last night. She was like, I was at this white sale and I realized that I was naked. And uh, I'm like, I don't know what a white sale is. You know, do you? 
Uh, I forget. It's All right. Kind of- and so uh, she's like, you want a Valium? Uh, and then, and then she's like, I gotta take, I gotta work sh- late tonight, tomorrow night. I got this night shift, and uh, so she's like, gonna be terrible for my complexion. She goes to bed. Moments later, Charlie hears a crashing outside, and then he gets a threatening f- phone call from Jerry. And uh, Jerry says, "You started this, Charlie, and I'm gonna finish it. I destroyed your car, but that's nothing compared to what I'm gonna do to you tomorrow night." Then he hangs up. Right. Charlie looks back at the TV and Peter Vincent, the vampire killer, is on. And then he starts watching Peter Vincent like murder vampires. And it's kind of like he's like, okay, he's like, almost like he's like studying this, like it's a master class, you know? Yeah. And that comes into play, you know? That's right. And it's sort of like, Fright Night is sort of like a meta horror, like a horror movie, like a vampire movie about vampire movies. That's right. In a lot of ways. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Um, Yeah, because they're always playing vampire movies on TV and stuff. We cut to the next day and uh, he's meeting Mr. Vincent outside of his studio. And he tries to convince Mr. Uh, Vincent to help him kill a vampire. And he's like, do you believe in vampires? And Peter Vincent's like, yeah, of course I do. And then he eventually kind of reveals that he just lost his job uh, at the studio. He's like, my ratings are bad. You know, maybe if there were more people like you who believed in vampires, my ratings would be better. I wouldn't have lost my job. Mm-hmm. And um, But eventually, he just can't convince Peter to help him kill this vampire. And the guy's like, okay, this kid's crazy. He gets in his car and he takes off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Peter Vincent, the the horror host slash uh, movie vampire killer. That's right. Yeah, that's our introduction to him. That's it. That's our guy. And so we cut to Amy. Amy is is walking up to Peter's house, and and Evil Ed just happens to be walking by at the same time. And he's like, "Oh, I thought you had dumped him." And she's like, "Shut up!" And they run into the house, and they go upstairs to Charlie's room. And Charlie's got candles everywhere. He's carving a piece of wood into a wooden stake, and he tells them that he's going to go over to the house. And he's going to kill the vampire. He's like, somebody has to stop them. And they kind of softly pretend, you know, to agree with him, mm-hmm. you know, because they're like, something's wrong with him right now. And we got to yeah, kind of play along. Kind of humoring him a little bit. Like, yeah. And uh, they're like, what about Peter Vincent? Can he help? And he's like, I tried him already. And Evil Ed's like, what happens if you go into that uh, house alone and he gets you? He'll suck his way through the entire town. Great line. Great line. He's suck his way. <laughs> suck his way through the entire town. So they try to convince Charlie to wait. We come back to Peter Vincent in his own home and he looks at this notice of eviction. Things are not going well for Peter. Yeah. He's like a washed up old actor who's been like a horror host who just got fired. So he's screwed. He's got this old kind of dingy apartment and Amy and Ed knock on the door and he reluctantly lets them in when I think they say that they're like want to interview him for like a school newspaper. They tell them about their friend Charlie and he's like, oh, yeah, that guy, you know, and. And they just try to convince him, like, help him out. And he's just really reluctant. And he's like, I'm not going to do it. You know, I've, I've got this big movie role I'm taking. You know, he's like lying to these kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they offer him $500, like in a savings bond. And that's the only way you can convince this uh, hopeless, hopeless man here. So he agrees to go to the house and try some vampire tests. He's like, he's got holy water. Um, that's really just water. You know, it's, it's not blessed water mm-hmm. and he's got a pocket mirror and he's like, you know, you can use this to see if he has a reflection or not. Yeah. He's got like props from his old movies that yeah. he's going to use. And like this little box. Right. So they call Mr. Cole and Jerry and try to convince them to let them come over. But he's already told Jerry, by the way, like over the phone that it's not real holy water, too. That's right. Yeah. So he know, like they're both like playing along here. Jerry's like, oh, yeah, sure. I always like to help kids. Jerry knows what's going on. And uh, he's like, yeah, why don't you just come over tomorrow? Uh, it's six. And so the next night, basically, uh, Peter drives up and, uh, he's like, Oh, I got the holy water here and we're going to have him try this holy water. And, and, and Charlie's like, well, what about like a wooden stake? You know, we need to bring a wooden stake in there. And he's like, but yeah, I just don't think we need that. You know? And, yeah, and, and Charlie's like, but, but what happens if the holy water doesn't do anything? We got to like kill these vampires. And, you know, he's like, take it easy. You know, he's yeah. like, calm down. 
can't just go around staking people through the heart. Yeah, just know, to like, see what just happens. To, make, to be like, we're pretty sure. Yeah, you want to confirm it, which, you know, Peter's got using a little logic here. So then they go in, they say hello, they, they greet each other or whatever. And then Peter gives the holy water to uh, to to Jerry. And Jerry's like, this is holy water. And he's like, yeah. And he kind of like holds it by the fire for a second. And he's like, okay. And then he says, bottoms up. So Jerry drinks the holy water. Nothing happens. And uh, Peter's like, see, I guess we got to get a, get out of here. Yep. And then, and Charlie's just trying to convince everybody like, no, 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 this guy is a vampire. We got to check the coffin. We got to like, look at everything. And they're just like, all right, let's, we, let's go. Let's take you out of here. As, uh, as everybody's starting to exit, Peter pulls out his little pocket mirror and then uh, he sees in the reflection that Jerry is not in it. Yeah. He sees everybody else, but he doesn't see Jerry. And it spooks him. He jumps and the the mirror falls onto the floor and shatters. And then he picks it up, you know, and uh, Jerry's like, is everything okay? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. Good. You know, and then he yeah. puts the pocket mirror away. But we see that he leaves like a little piece of the broken mirror on the floor. And so then they leave. By the way, their house is like a big ornate house with like, you know, double staircase and like plate glass windows. And there's a wall with like 15 clocks on yeah, it. Tons like, of clocks that are cuckoo yeah. and hoo-hoo in at different mm-hmm. times. They head out the door and Charlie asks Peter, he's like, why are you shaking? And he admits, you know, he's like, okay, he's a vampire. Well, what do you want me yeah. to do? <laughs> he's, he's too scared. So Charlie tries to convince him like that we have to do something. And, and Peter's like, no, 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 no. And he just drives away. And, and and then Ed laughs and Charlie's like, shut up, pencil dick, calls him pencil dick. And then he goes like, oh, ho, ho, and covers himself up. You know, very strange, strange man. Yeah. Jerry watches them leave and he's like satisfied in a way. He's like, I proved I did it. You know, kid can leave me alone. And then he's walking away and he steps on the piece of the broken mirror. And then he sees he picks it up and he's like, oh, motherfuckers. We cut to later and the kids are walking. And then Ed is like, hey, we should walk down this incredibly dark alley. Yeah, like the darkest, the darkest, darkest smoky, like yeah, this, like the fucking <laughs> fog and like. yeah. And Amy and Charlie are like, well, we don't want to do that. And so Ed's like, what are you scared? Do you think we're gonna have some vampires? And yeah, so you know something's gonna happen to Ed, right? As the two walk away, they hear Ed scream and they run back to see if he's okay. And he's like, oh, it got me, it got me. And it's just, he's just like, a, yeah, he's just a, a, on the ground and he's like holding his neck and then he's just playing a prank. He just starts laughing at him. And now you know that Ed is definitely done for. Because anytime someone plays a prank on someone in a horror movie, yeah, you're like, well, the next scene is you're dead. <laughs> yeah, the, it's always the joke's on you. Right. Uh, so then they leave Ed alone to walk the alley. And then Jerry appears. You know, Jerry turns into a bat. We see the POV again, swoops down, flies up behind Ed and Ed turns around and he sees him and he starts running. And there's this chase scene, you know, where he's running down this alley and this alley never ends. Yeah, it's It's a long alley, long ass alley that he's just turning corners, just more smoky alley with trash and just like darkness. And it's yeah, as he's running, he like keeps he's appears in front of him wherever he turns. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because there's no way to escape him because Mm -hmm. he can just appear around every corner is I don't even know what building this could possibly be. But then eventually he gets... Uh, I have an idea, actually. Do you? Yeah. What is it? Well, uh, uh, well, we'll get to it in the okay. next scene, yeah. Fantastic. And so then he comes to this dead end, and he like falls against the, the wall, just terrified, and Jerry's like, look, basically he's like, I can help you. You know, you join me, you come with me, uh, they'll never make fun of you anymore. You know, and this is a moment where you're like, wow, this kid is like really, he's a, he's a bullied kid, he's a tortured kid. Yeah. And he, he doesn't, he wants to, he'll do anything to get out of it. Yeah. And, and, you know, you can kind of see why he gets bullied. You yeah. Know, but like a weird dude. Yeah. And uh, he takes Jerry's hand. So then we cut to Charlie and Amy and they hear Ed scream again. 
and it's but it's kind of a boy cried wolf situation you know he's mm -hmm. uh, charlie's like no fuck him he's he's joking and then amy's like but what if what if not what if something happens and this light flashes and there's like this power outage like a, a like a transformer blows up or something right yeah and so then they take off running right and they come up on a nightclub with people socializing and dancing and having fun and they try to get into the club and they see jerry behind him Mm -hmm. you know and they're like god damn it and so they can't and so there's another situation where they run around a corner and jerry disappears in another corner and so like fuck and so they see that there's a kitchen door of that club and then they jump in through the kitchen and the chef's like what the hell and then they run past him and they run into the club to try and like uh, to, to get a, the phone and mm -hmm. charlie's like i'm gonna call the police we cut to ed and he's knocking on peter's door and ed now looks sickly right mm -hmm. we know he's now likely a vampire Peter's like, what do you want? And he's like, I just need to talk to you. And so he lets uh, Ed into his home. He shows Peter that he's got these bites, bite marks on his neck. You know, and now Peter is terrified. And then he starts chasing Peter around the apartment. And he says, I used to admire you. Of course, that was before I found out you were a fake. And I, that was like where I was like, well, of course he's a fake. Yeah, he's you an know? actor. He's an actor on a TV show. But uh, part of the thing is like, you know, these kids can't separate movies from reality a little bit. That's right. And so he tries to attack Peter and then Peter takes a crucifix and then puts it onto his forehead and burns this this cross into the guy's head, into Ed's head. Ed freaks out. He's screaming, writhing in pain. And then eventually he just jumps out the window and crashes through the glass. Mm -hmm. Now we cut back to Charlie in the club with Amy and he says, yeah, the police, they don't believe me. You know, it's like, of course they don't, man. And so uh, Charlie is like, I'm going to call Peter. And then we see Jerry enter the club and he he's looking around and he locks eyes with Amy. And Amy is just like lured in by by him. You know, she's she's attracted to this man, but he also has the powers of this vampire. Got that know? vampire power that like, you know, yeah. Just like, brings them in, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like hypnotizes almost. That's right. And so they start to dance. You know, he brings her out into the crowd and they start to dance seductively. And uh, then we come back to Peter. You know, he's too afraid. He's too terrified to do anything. You know, he's no of no help. He's talking to to Charlie on the phone and he's like, look, I, I, I'm not that guy. You know, I'm not, uh, you know, Peter Vincent. Yeah, it's not even my real name. Right, it's like. not even my real name, yeah. And so then we cut back to Jerry and Amy, and they're dancing erotically, and Amy is very taken by him, you know? And then he tries to bite her neck, and she pulls him away. There's this moment where she's like, no. But then she lets loose a little bit, and she pulls her blouse down a little bit and exposes more of her neck. And then suddenly, Charlie realizes that Amy is not with him anymore. And he's looking around the crowd, and he spots them in the crowd. And we see this mirror perspective, too, which is a cool shot. We see Amy spinning around, being spun around by Jerry, but there's nobody there. Yeah. So she just looks like this insane person spinning around by herself being carried. Cuts mm -hmm. like back and forth from like the mirror to them a little bit where you see like him dancing with her and then she's just by herself. It's like it's a great shot. Pretty sweet. So then Charlie approaches and tries to punch Jerry and then Jerry crushes his hand and his. He says to Charlie, he says, I want you to bring Peter Vincent and yourself to my house. Just the two of you, if you ever want to see Amy again. And he throws Charlie to the floor and he takes Amy away. But before he can, these two black bouncers step in front of Jerry and then try to remove him from the premises. Uh, but then uh, Jerry slashes one in the face, killing him, grabs the other by the neck, murders him, throws him across the yeah, uh, big dudes, too. big dudes, big dudes. And um, <laughs> I mean, it's the only two black guys in the movie. They're murdered immediately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, different the time. 80s, you know, what are you going to do? They just, what, what, you know, what are you going to do? He was no uh, George Romero. Who's George Romero? The director of Night of the Living Dead who cast a black guy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, 
now the crowd just panics. Like they're just seeing these two guys being murdered. So everyone starts to run out and it's just like chaos. And uh, throughout the chaos, Jerry is able to escape with Amy as Charlie is like, no. So before we move on, I just want to say that, uh, please, I, uh, maybe like four or five months ago, I was, uh, at the shoe store buying a pair of gym shoes. It's like, uh, WSS in Koreatown. I looked around, I was like, wow, this place is super familiar. Like, I, I feel like I've been here before, but I know I had never been to this place. The next day I was looking online and there was like this, you know, thing that like this website that was like, ah, famous movie locations. And they were like, the nightclub from Fright Night is now a WSS shoes like in Koreatown in L.A. So I was just wow. like, I was in the I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, that definitely was the nightclub from Fright Night. Like, wow. That's just a shoe store now. You can go wow. there and buy, you know, cheap running shoes. That's incredible. I don't think I ever would have uh, recognized that. How many times have you seen this movie? I don't know. I, like, I watched it for the first time in high school, so I've probably yeah. seen it, you know. So it's in your brain. Six, seven times. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, like there's like that staircase in the nightclub. It's still there. So like the building is more or less still set up that way. So it looks basically just like some of the shots from the movie. That's great. Yeah. Good for the shoe store. So I assume that alley is nearby there. You think? Could be, yeah. I mean, it's that part of like, you know, sort of like the edge of Koreatown getting into downtown. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like pretty industrial type buildings. A lot of it. You know, maybe we should try and find it. So Charlie chases them out. And then he sees Amy is being driven away in a Jeep. And from the back, Ed is uh, laughing. And he's mm-hmm. he's pointing out the back and he's just laughing at Charlie. He laughs at Charlie a lot throughout this movie. Oh, yeah. Lots of laughing at Charlie. So then we see Peter packing up. He's trying to leave town. Charlie uh, arrives at his place. And he, 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 he goes in and he's just trying to convince Peter like the, that you, we have to go to Jerry's place. And he says that Amy's in trouble. He's, they have Amy. And Peter's like, oh, God. You know, he's like, he's like... He's stricken with like all this guilt and like he's, but he's like, he's too weak. You know, he's like, I can't, I'm not a vampire killer. I can't do it. Yeah. He's like a gray haired old man at this point. And he was doing these vampire movies like 20, 30 years prior to this. Right. what's implied, you know? Yeah. And so we cut to Amy and Amy is lying by a fire in like a white gown on this, this shaggy rug. She's in Jerry's home and she's approached by Jerry and, uh, you know, Jerry seductively like kisses her and stuff. And eventually he sinks his teeth into her neck. And sucks her blood. And this is not good. No. Because that clearly, we're like, fuck, she's going to turn. How you, that's how you turn. That's how it happens. Very similar to zombies, you know? That's right. So Bites. Bites, and Werewolves. Werewolves, zombies, vampires. They all have that in common. That's right. Now we cut to Charlie and he's walking through the yard on his way to the house. He's got his crucifix around his neck. He's by himself. There's no Peter in sight. But then suddenly, Peter appears. And he's got his box of goodies. He shows Charlie, he's like, we got this crucifix, we got a gun, and we're going to kill Mr. Cole with it. And he's like, but what if Mr. Cole is also a vampire? And he's like, I don't think he is. Peter is, uh, you know, he's very nervous, but he's trying to keep himself together. And, and part of the way he keeps himself together, he says that he says, I am Peter Vincent, the great vampire killer. He just keeps chanting that over and over to himself. Yeah. Trying to convince himself. Really trying really, to convince himself really, the whole time. Really, like. And so they head to the house and then Peter's like, no, 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 we can't go in through the front. We got to find a way out back. And uh, but then the door to the front opens by itself. And so they're like, all right, let's go through the front door. Yeah. So which I don't know if I would do you know, that. You're, you're obviously expected. It's like, you know, are we walking into a trap? Well, yes, obviously. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. But we might as well. <laughs> that just... was the plan. So they go into the front room of the house and then Jerry enters from upstairs uh, and he's like scraping his sharp fingernail along the wood, creating these like wood ribbons, you know, and uh, he says, welcome to Fright Night. And they're like, they want Amy. They're like, where's Amy? And he's like, oh, she's up here. And then Peter cr- holds up his crucifix to Jerry, but Jerry crushes it in his, in his hands like it's nothing. 
and he throws it aside and he just laughs and he says you have to have faith for that to work so then Charlie pulls out his crucifix and then Jerry's taken aback and he starts to panic and he, oh, he makes like this howling sound and then he like backs away but then Mr. Cole enters out of nowhere and smacks Charlie off the staircase. Yeah. So Peter, at this point, he retreats, just runs out of the house. He goes over to Charlie's house and he's looking for his mom and he's calling for Charlie's mom and he goes up, uh, he tries to call the operator and so he goes and she starts checking all the rooms, gets to her room and he finds her in bed and he goes and lifts up the covers but it's evil ed in a wig in the and raggedy ann wig. wig if you know she there's a raggedy ann doll in the earlier scene where charlie's in his mom's bedroom ed is like uh you know peter is terrified he starts to back away and then uh he runs out into the hallway and then ed crosses the corner but now he's turned into a wolf mm-hmm. right and his eyes glow red peter collapses into like this side table in the hallway and it's just like crumbles ed the wolf just starts uh charging peter and then peter in a last ditch effort just picks up one of the legs that has now become a wooden stake and the the ed wolf jumps right into the stake and goes through his heart yeah and then it collapses rolls down the stairs and it's like this really gruesome uh scene of a dying wolf yeah it's like he looks like it kind of looks like a dying werewolf you yeah because like he's like was transforming back into ed and he's like fucking moaning and yeah. howling the whole time with yeah it's a long scene things stuck out of his chest yeah and he's screaming and peter's watching with all this empathy he just feels really bad for this kid he's just some kid he got fucked yeah. over mm-hmm. and um ed dies the crucifix uh burn on his head fades away he's just left there lying naked with a stake sticking out of him yeah. And then we cut back to Jerry's house and uh, he carries Charlie into the room and lays him down next to Amy and he leaves him with a wooden stake and he says, you're going to need this before dawn. And then Charlie's like, oh, fuck, you know, and he realizes what happened. So then we cut back to Peter. He pulls the stake from Ed's heart and he heads back to, to Jerry's house. He goes upstairs and he breaks into uh, the room where Charlie and, and Amy are. Mm-hmm. You know, he tells Charlie, like, make some noise, bang on the walls to try and cover up the sound of me breaking this door down. Then they both leave the room together, brandishing a, a crucifix and a wooden stake. And as they're looking for Jerry, they run into Mr. Cole. Peter takes out his gun and he po- points it at his head. He said, like, I'm going to shoot. Like, don't make me shoot. And uh, Mr. Cole just keeps walking towards him and puts the gun to his head. And then he fires a bullet straight through Mr. Cole's head. Yeah. And he rolls down the staircase, falls to the floor. Jerry enters. And then they tell Jerry, like, we, we killed Mr. Cole. And he's, I can't remember how they phrase this line. But he's like, uh, they, they killed Mr. Cole. And he's like, oh, did you? And then he, like, leaves. And they're like, what did he mean by that? And they're like, I oh, think he was just bluffing. And then Mr. Cole wakes up behind him. Then they turn around and Peter fires several more bullets you know into his chest it does nothing he's not reacting to it at all he's just kind of falling back a little bit but coming right back for him and then mr cole grabs peter and picks him up and then charlie takes a wooden stake and shoves it right through his heart and then at that point just green blood starts like ooze from his like chest from his wrists yeah and then it just starts like oozing out out of his eyes and he starts melting his hand starts to like decompose and his face it's like gruesome yeah he completely melts into like a green slimy like steaming skeleton yeah Yeah. skeleton and then he falls down the stairs and his bones shatter all over his place and his skull scoots across the floor and right into like a like a like a like a coffee table yeah Uh, a shot of the skull just sitting there kind of looking back at yeah it's a great scene yeah they run back up to amy and peter looks around he pokes his head out the window we see that jerry is like right above him uh outside you know he's like crawling on the side of the house and he goes to like reach for peter but peter puts his head back in not noticing him so then they grab their stake and their crucifix and they run back into the to the house you know like looking for jerry they're looking back into the big room and then 
uh, Jerry calls from the roof for Amy. He calls to Amy, like, I command you to wake up. And Amy starts to rise. And then it cuts back to Peter and, and uh, Charlie, and Amy screams. Peter runs back into the room, and now Amy is like this vampire. She's clearly like a demented vampire. Peter panics. He holds up a crucifix, and Amy covers her, covers her face and screams. And Peter closes the door and runs away. And now Peter runs back into the main hall. He's looking for Charlie. and uh, But then Jerry appears right behind him in a window and then shoots through the window and Peter holds up his crucifix to Jerry and he's like stay back and Jerry starts laughing at him and he's like you have to have faith for that to work and then Peter holds it up again with more confidence you know he builds up confidence and suddenly he has this faith and Jerry starts to pull back and oh make that sound again just as that he as he does that the clock strikes 6 a.m. And all the clocks go there. That wall full of clocks finally comes into play. Wall of clocks. And Peter says, uh, You're out of time, Mr. Dandridge. It's dawn. And a beam of light, you know, starts uh, shining through the window right behind him and strikes Mr. Dandridge. And it it turns him into a bat. He panics and turns into a bat and starts to fly away. And then he tackles Peter. And then Peter, so Peter takes out the wooden stake and then he puts it into his mouth, you know, so he can't bite him. Mm. And then the bat bites the stake pulls it away and throws the stake aside. And then Charlie grabs a, uh, the bat. Yeah, so then Charlie comes up and grabs the bat and the bat turns its neck and then bites Charlie on the arm. And he's like, ah! And then more light shoots through the window and strikes the bat and the bat panics and flies away. And then they follow it down into the basement. And then they get down to the basement, uh, Charlie and, and Peter, and they split up. And then suddenly we see Amy appear in the basement staircase and she, she the light's kind of not you know lighting her entirely, but she looks evil. You can see a little bit of her face. And uh, Charlie says, it's me, Amy. And she says, I know. And she shows her fangs. And then we cut to Peter and he's, and he's finding this, he's found this uh, hidden doorway, like a bookcase, you know? And he opens it up and he finds the coffin. And he says, he says, Charlie, I found it. I found the coffin. And Amy says to Charlie, he's like, don't be frightened, Charlie. Don't you want me anymore? And then Charlie holds up the crucifix and she starts to cry, you know, she's to hide her face and she cries. She says, you promised that you wouldn't let him get me. She's trying to pretend that she's still Amy. You know, mm-hmm. and Charlie's like, it's 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 not my fault, Amy. I, you know, I'm so sorry. And he reaches for her. But then she turns around and she's got the, that big ass vampire mouth. Yeah. That's like, like the size like of her. A, one of those sharks with the really fucked up teeth. Yeah. Like, uh, one of those scary fish from like deep down under the water. Yeah. Peter's trying to open up the coffin and it's locked and he's doing his best to pry it open. Amy chases Charlie through the basement. Finally, Peter gets the coffin open. He takes his wooden stake and he hammers it into the heart of Dandridge, you know, just like he did on TV. But then Dandridge, he rises up and he, he takes the stake and he pulls and pulls and he pulls it from his heart and he throws it aside. Didn't get it all the way through. You know? He just didn't get it all the way through. He didn't strike the heart, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And so... Yeah, you got to pound through like a lot of layers of like bone and, you know, rib cage and... yeah muscle and stuff not not easy to put a stake through a, sure somebody's yeah. heart you know i've tried yeah i know you have you know you're a sick son of a bitch yeah <laughs> so jerry takes a stake he throws it to the side and it breaks uh, a window and then light shines through the window and we see charlie sees this and he's like this is the chance we have to do this we have to break all the windows so he starts breaking open more windows so then there's like this big fight scene uh or jerry is is trying to like kill them and then they start breaking all these windows open and there's just like more light shines through and it, and and jerry keeps getting hit by all these like different beams of light basically they just keep breaking windows and all this light keeps shining through in every direction it just keeps hitting jerry and jerry screams and screams he starts to smoke and he tries to cover himself up with his, clo- his cloak and then he tries to run back to his coffin but then peter closes it charlie uh breaks open another window and this light was like a big enough of a blast to like shoot jerry 
against this wall, just like mm-hmm. flying across the basement. And he hits this wall and he's just screaming. And he's just like, ah, and he starts to like catch on fire. And he's screaming for Amy. He's like, Amy, help. And like, there's all this like wind blowing. It's just this crazy, like super dramatic scene, you know? And then suddenly he explodes into nothing and he's gone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, a, they did it. God is ass. God is ass, man. And then Amy and Peter and Charlie, they all embrace. There's like a big group hug, you know, we did it. <laughs> then we crossfade back into the neighborhood that we were at in the beginning of the movie. The same shot, you know, we're panning back up to the window of uh, Charlie's room. And uh, we do see that that vampire house is now for sale. We go up into the room and Amy and Charlie are back in their bed and they're making out. And so this is the moment where you're like, he's done it. Charlie is going to get late. Yeah, finally. The thing that he always wanted. And Peter Vincent is back on TV. He got his job back. I don't know how. I don't know why. Because he regained his confidence. He regained his confidence. And he marched back into that executive's office. And he was like, yo, I killed a a real life vampire. And they're like, you got your job back. Yeah, I'll put a stake through your fucking heart. (laughs) Peter's on TV and he says, I thought I'd let the vampires rest for a little while. And uh, then he starts to talk about aliens. He's like, oh, these aliens, these Mars aliens, they want human flesh. You know, and so I guess now his whole thing is going to be aliens. Hmm. Charlie goes up to the TV and he turns it off. And then he looks out the window. There's like this uh, POV kind of like scanning of the window from across the way. And he sees that. What? He's like, did I see like red eyes? But he's not sure. You know, they quickly disappear. He wasn't sure if he saw it. And then Amy says, is there something wrong? And he says, no. And he jumps into bed and then they begin making out again. Then we, cro- we, we kind of like uh, pan back over to the, to the window. And before we fade out, we see the red eyes appear again. And as we cut, we hear the laugh of Evil Ed. Yep. And he says, oh, you're so cool, Mr. Brewster. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just laughing and that's it. Then we cut. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Fun time. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun movie. Yeah. I think it's, it's like, you know. We got real serious with the last one. So I was like, you know, lighten it up a little bit. Lighten it up. Absolutely. You know? No, I thought it was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. So you want to like uh, go into, uh, but overall you like the movie. I liked the movie. One, yeah. It was fun. Yeah. It's, like, it's not real scary. No, it's like an 80s movie, teen you know? movie. Yeah. You know, but uh, the vampires look real gnarly and, and cool and stuff. There's like great practical effects. Yeah. No, uh, I, I dug it. I thought it was cool. So let me just go through some of the stuff I have here. Tom Holland uh, initially had the idea for Fright Night when he imagined a horror movie uh, fan becoming convinced his neighbor was a vampire. And he sat on it for a year. He didn't know where to take the story. Uh, and then he decided he would go to his local horror host for help. Because that was a big thing from like the, you know, 50s through the 80s was like local horror hosts. Like every region had their own, like whether it was Sven or Zachary or Elvira or Vampira. Okay. Or, uh, you know, one of the characters in Night of the Living Dead was actually played by a horror host. Wow. Um, which I forgot to mention during that episode. But yeah, so yeah. horror hosting comes in in our last two movies. That's great. And, you know, it was like what we saw. They, you know, usually dressed up as like a vampire or some kind of like weird character. And, you know, they would host the movie. They'd talk about it, you know, have like some would do like little like sketches and bits in between yeah uh or you have like joe bob from last drive-in and monster vision back in the day and he you know he kind of does a similar thing to what we do and gives you tons of background information and stuff like that and they also have bits on his show nice basically where like the commercial breaks would come in so right right yeah yeah. so he decided the kid would go to a horror host for help because who's going to be more of an expert on vampires than that and the character peter vincent is a combination of peter cushing who was in a lot of the classic Hammer horror films. He played uh, 
Baron Frankenstein and Dr. Van Helsing in like 22 different Hammer movies. Uh-huh. Uh, and then Vincent Price is the other one who was, you know, uh, you know, he's abominable Dr. Fibes and he was in all kinds of like Hammer and other horror movies. Oh, right on. Um, he was the voice in Thriller, you know, like the narrator in the Thriller video. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so once he had that idea, he finished the script in three weeks. Damn. So he wrote the part initially for Vincent Price to play, but Vincent Price had been so badly typecast in horror that he was no longer accepting roles in horror movies. So they cast Roddy McDowell instead. He'd worked with him in class of 1984. And I think he nailed that role. Like, yeah, I think he's probably one of the best parts of the movie. No, but, he was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I thought he was awesome. He played he played a uh, frightened old weak man very well. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, like a great, like, washed-up actor kind of character. But, like, who gets redeemed by the end, you know? Yeah. Uh, But uh, upon viewing the uh, movie, Vincent Price was, uh, he was very flattered by the uh, homage to him. And then he thought that the movie was great, and he thought Roddy McDowell did a great job. Nice. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. Everybody gets along in the end. Yeah, you know, this was, like, it's mostly good vibes from this movie. You know, like, uh, the cast were actually given two weeks of rehearsal time before the shoot, the shoot, which is pretty uncommon for movies. Like most of the time you just go in and start shooting a couple other movies that did that were reanimator and return of the living dead in the eighties. Well, mm. you know, we can get to those later, but Tom Holland came from a classical acting background. He studied at the actor studio under Lee Strasberg. And so he encouraged the cast to write biographies for their characters in order to understand their motivations and stuff. Yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah. Uh, originally, Jerry Dandridge was way more villainous, but they rewrote him to be a little bit more humanized to kind of reflect his past as a thinking, feeling human being. Gotcha. And Chris Sarandon, who played Jerry, actually did his own research on bats. He did a ton of reading on bats and found out that most of them are frugivores, okay. which uh, are, you know, fruit eaters. Right, right. And he decided that Jerry had a lot of uh, fruit bat in his DNA. So that's why he's always eating apples and stuff. And he said oh, he right thought on. of it as like a, a palate cleanser in between draining the blood of his victims. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because yeah, there, there were a few times that I didn't mention because he was eating apples about two, three, four times. In the yeah, movie. he seemed throughout the movie with apples you know throws one at charlie at one point yeah that's right yeah so there's motivation for those apples totally so the actors didn't pick up on holland's uh, intended gay subtext during the filming uh it was only when they viewed the film and saw there after jerry gets stabbed through the hand with a pencil Mm -hmm. there's a scene where uh billy cole is uh he's attending to his wounds and he gets down on his knees to like take care of jerry's hand and it's framed so it looks like he's blowing him oh right on yeah Okay. Uh, it was a studio movie, but it was really low budget. And they were like, they had some other movie that they thought was going to be the big hit at the time. So they, they said there was virtually no studio interference on set. Okay. And the entire thing went really smoothly, except for William Ragsdale accidentally breaking his ankle, running down the stairs at one point. Oh, God damn it. So he had to film with like uh, and a William, cast on and like they didn't shoot <laughs> below the knees for a William, while. William Ragsdale. It's Charlie. It was Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. He really did uh, commit to stumbling uh, up and down those stairs. Yeah. I watched it. And I was like, oh man, he really is like, they're like up and down those stairs real fast. Yeah. Like, real fast. And he's just like falling all, all over the place. Yeah. I was kind of worried about him. Yeah. Well, you know, with good reason. Right. Uh, so the, the makeup and visual effects were done by uh, a team read by Richard Edlin, who had just done Ghostbusters. Okay. Uh, and that allowed them to like figure out a lot of stuff. So they were really efficient on Fright, Light, Fright Night and were able to do the special effects like really cheaply uh, and effectively as possible for the time, which helped a lot. Nice. Worst part for the cast was wearing the thick plastic contact lenses. 
Yeah, uh, that seems to be an issue for these people. Huh? Yeah, they were well, they were blinding and then they were painful and they could only be worn for 20 minutes because they were just big slabs of plastic. God damn. Uh, at one point, Amanda Barris, like they forgot to file hers down and she was just in excruciating pain. And then for the scene where uh, Evil Ed transforms, they accidentally left Stephen Jeffrey's contacts in for 40 minutes and he had scratches on his eyeballs that lasted for months after the shoot. Oh, God damn, that yeah. sucks. Uh, Chris Sarandon, who was Jerry, he sat up in ma- makeup often for eight hours at a time. He, was, he joked a lot that the rubber fingers made it real hard to use the bathroom. Right, So of the uh, costume supervisor, Mort Schwartz, was like, hey, you know, I'll, I'll help you out. And he was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'll just use a coat hanger. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did he use a coat hanger? I guess, I don't know. Oh, t- loop it around the... his dick out of the Oh, pants, okay, yeah. You know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that. Fashioned it into a little, you know, dick handler. I totally. Guess. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Maybe I'll try that. So uh, the makeup for Evil Ed's wolf transformation took 18 hours. Uh, Damn. And while he had the wolf head on, the crew began pouring what they thought was methyl cellulose into his mouth uh, to create the illusion of saliva. Mm-hmm. But he started complaining about the taste and... They accidentally realized that they had been using prosthetic adhesive and were gluing his mouth shut. Jesus Christ. This is uh, this is our boy? This is Evil Ed. Yeah. See, now the gay porn thing is making a lot right? of sense. Right? It's like, you know, <laughs> if you're going to put something in your mouth, make sure it's something that you want in there. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Very minimal makeup, I'm sure, for those shoots at the right, time. Right, right. You know? But, uh, and yeah, and like there was one time where, uh, you know, uh, Chris Sarand and Jerry Dandridge sat in makeup for eight hours. And then they, they're like, oh, something happened. We can't shoot today. That sucks. <laughs> like, take, that sucks, man. Yeah. Eight hours of makeup off. That's the that's the kind of stuff that like still can happen. They can still be like, yeah, we actually, we're not, we mm-hmm. can't do it today. Yeah. Or like the girls who played Mystique, like uh, Rebecca Romaine, having like uh, Jennifer, what's her name? I don't know. But they had like, yeah, <laughs> like just spending like hours having like fucking sequins glued to their naked body. Like, that's insane. Uh, so the movie was a critical commercial success. Uh, Roger Ebert wrote that Fright Night is an undistinguished movie, but it has a lot of fun being undistinguished, which for me, I think is about his most fair review to date. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I <laughs> for these movies anyway, I, I got to say, you know, he's he's won me back a little bit, but he yeah. has he has shat on some some movies that I've really liked so far. Yeah, yeah, really. The Hellraiser one was just absurd. I yeah, thought. that was really silly. But uh, I got some notes here on the uh, the queer subtext of the movie because this is really the thing that like Fright Night gets uh, a lot of credit for. Okay. Uh, so there's from a website called Gaily Dreadful, an article The Boys Next Door, The Homoeroticism of Fright Night and How It Saved My Life by Glenn McQuaid. Wow. Uh, so I was going to quote directly from some of these articles here. Yeah. Uh, so in the 1980s at the height of the AIDS crisis, gay characters in TV and film were usually pr- uh, portrayed to be pitied, feared, or laughed at. Uh, at 15 years of age, Fright Night opened in Dublin. From the moment Charlie Brewster's mom says, I hear he's got to live in Carpenter. With my luck, he's probably gay. All of that changed. Right. Uh, right off the bat, uh, Judy Brewster's non judgmental reference to her possibly gay next door neighbors had me riveted to my seat. There was nothing about her intonation that suggested mockery, fear, or pity, which uh, was super unique for movies of this time period. Right, right. Um, quote, when we get to meet the new uh, new neighbors, Jerry Dandridge and Billy Cole, sure, he's a vampire and Billy's his ghoul, but they are also charming, funny, and, and most importantly, intimate, protective, and caring of one another. There is uh, the obvious scene where Billy tends to Jerry's hand 
injury on his knees, but there are many other glances and gestures that led me to believe I was getting uh, my first honest glimpse at a gay couple in film. Oh, so this is Mr. Cole and Jerry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, it's, it's hard to express to heterosexual audiences or even younger queer audiences what the lack of positive queer representation in film did to kids starved for hope. But I will never forget what a revelation Fright Night was to me. I have no doubt that it gave me the strength I needed to eventually kick down my closet door and live my life to the fullest. Nice. Which like, you wouldn't think that this movie meant so much to people like, you know, just watching it. It's just like a kind of a fun vampire movie. Totally. But it has a serious impact on a lot of that's like young, like uh, gay people watching it. Had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've got a little bit more on this, if that's okay. Please. Yeah. So as an article from Flat, uh, Slash Film, Year of the Vampire, Fright Night Embraces Queer Vampirism and is So Cool Brewster by DJ Colangelo. Uh, whether or not Holland intended it, Fright Night is exploding with queerness. Uh, Charlie frequently ignores the heterosexual advances of his girlfriend in favor of his obsession with Jerry Dandridge. Jerry lives alone with his own Renfield, uh, which is like uh, the familiar from Dracula, I think. Gotcha. Uh, Billy Cole. Uh, when Jerry finally reveals himself to Charlie as a vampire, he does so by inter- interrogating him about his revealing his secret. He pulls Charlie out of the closet, literally gives him a lecture about how he doesn't have uh, a choice in being this way and threatens him by wrapping his hands around his throat. During their scuffle, Charlie knocks over the photo of Amy and breaks it. The scene ends when Charlie penetrates Jerry with his wood or pencil. Right. Got it. So I don't know. Some of that, some of that symbolism may be read into it, but well, here's the thing I think with symbolism is uh, whatever you want to find, you know, in these things, that helps you that you want to see. Yeah. Great. Yeah. You know, it's interpretation. You interpret that, uh, the pencil is a cock going through a hole of another man. Great. Yeah. You know, makes you I'm, happy. I'm all about it. Symbolism is in the eye of the beholder. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes, it is. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's great. There's a little more on that. At one point, Ed is separated from the group and made to feel pretty lousy by his friends, but Jerry approaches him and offers him a new world sounding like a queer elder we all need. Uh, He says, you don't have to be afraid of me. I know what it's like being different, only they won't pick on you anymore or beat you up. I'll see to that. All you have to do is take my hand. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that scene can be read pretty like, you know, there's a stretch to see it that way. No, no, no. No stretch there. On top of it, many of the actors in the film were gay. Stephen Jeffries went on to do gay porn, as we mentioned. Uh, Amanda Barris, who came out as lesbian in 1993, well before Ellen DeGeneres. Hell yeah. uh, Directed the big gay sketch show. Okay. And Roddy McDowell was one of Hollywood's openly closeted, in quotes, actors. Uh, After all, there's no such thing as a heterosexual vampire. That's true. (laughs) That's what they claim. (laughs) (laughs) I'll Uh, believe it. You know, and then, you know, The Lost Boys was the other big vampire movie at the time. And it was also very, like uh you know queer coded movie sure yeah um, i got some notes on roddy mcdowell uh there's from a queerty article called uh, a quiet queer star and 80s horror romp do people know it's this gay by david <laughs> redfish <laughs> that's a good name yeah. for an article why does roddy mcdowell not get more love the quiet whisper voice actor appeared in a whopping 270 movies and shows before his death in 1998 He also became one of Hollywood's most renowned film historians, amassing a collection of more than a thousand films at a time before most movies were even available on video cassette. Wow. So we had like actual reels of film swords somewhere. 
Wow. McDowell was gay and threw some of Tinseltown's most notorious gay beach parties. So there's that. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about his performance. uh, The actor sinks his teeth into the role, playing Vincent as a bitter old coot of middling talent who finally finds purpose in his life. To use all the bad horror movie he's uh, he's seen as ammunition against the undead. Other actors would have played the character as an action movie badass or shrieking pansy. McDowell hits all those notes and everything in between and also adds an extraordinary quality of his own. There's something touching about watching his Peter Vincent, an actor of limited success, find a mission in battling real-life monsters. Over the course of the film, he begins to actually like himself, possibly for the first time ever. Aw. Yeah, real sweet. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, sweet old man. Yeah. The movie also leans into its homoeroticism. Jerry seems to want to seduce Charlie as much as his mom. Several other scenes of the vampire dealing with his henchman Billy suggest as a gay uh, suggest a gay relationship. One quite blatantly. Does that fall into the trap of the gay villain '80s homophobic exploitation? Maybe. Though watching sissy Peter Vincent battle it out with Jerry adds another layer of complexity. In a sense, Fright Night is really about two go- coded gay characters dueling for Charlie's soul. <laughs> I do like all these articles. It's like suddenly it's it's like the more articles we read, we're just like, oh, everyone, all of them are gay. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it was weird. Like, the I, I don't know. The first handful of times I watched this movie, I didn't quite pick up on it. I was right, just like, right. oh, it's just like a weird 80s vampire movie. Totally. Everybody's like, you know, it's like weirdly like uh, everything's like weirdly like sexual or something. And right, then right. like I was watching it one of the more recent times and I was like, oh, wow, this is like a very gay movie. Like, yeah, this yeah. Is, like it, it just hit me. And then that's when I like I Googled like Fright Night Gay and found all these articles yeah, like, yeah. written by people. And it's like, oh, OK, OK. I wasn't yeah. the only one who have noticed that. Totally. You know? Yeah. All right. Hell yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, I'll remember the gay uh, on my rewatch. Yeah, yeah. You know, you watch it again sometime and you'd be like, oh, yeah, there's all these moments. There's all these like little glances between like Jerry and Billy Cole and stuff that you watch. And his live in carpenter and like all these like things that, you know, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, you know, he doesn't ever have sex. Doesn't ever have. Yeah, I was just thinking that. No sex. He brings these women over and it seduces them, but then he just drinking their blood and chopping their heads (laughs) off and leaving their bodies on the railroad tracks. That's that's not what you do if you like women. No, 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 you shouldn't. Yeah. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do it. Also, if you're gay, don't do that. Yeah, if you're, it doesn't matter your sexual orientation. Yeah. (laughs) You just don't. You heard it from us, folks taking a hard stance on the don't murder women and decapitate them and leave their body on the railroad tracks don't sever some heads you would think it doesn't need to be said but sometimes you gotta it does unfortunately well hey what do you say we call it i think that's yeah i think that's pretty good for friday night it's a good time for friday night to end this and we got to record another podcast folks so uh Thank you for for listening to the Only Horror Movie Podcast. Yeah, we appreciate it. We know we're your only option when it comes to horror movie podcasts. But, uh, you know, it's still nice that you tune in to the only one because you could listen to anything. Yep. So we appreciate it. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll see you next time. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) 